Hi, I'm Alex. I'm Amy. And this is Small Town Not Small Minds. It's 2022. Okay. <laughs> I was like, you said it wrong. <laughs> Almost said it wrong. Um, and we're ready to rock into a new year. Mm-hmm. Did your vision board. Did my vision board. Yeah. Uh, planned my word for the year. Had three weeks off. We got a bonus week this year. It was amazing. Yes. What happened in those three weeks off? Well, I wanted to highlight our amazing New Year's. We had a great New Year's. Mm -hmm. It was so cold that week, like minus 40. We were in a polar vortex. And I have always wanted to go to Kananaskis Nordic Spa and had a chance to go with a couple girls for New Year's. And I wonder who went. It was you and two other friends. (laughs) It was so fun. And, um, Highly recommend if you've never done the hydrotherapy pools in Nordic Spa. What a nice retreat. Be ready to pay a hefty fine to stay there. Fine. Fine, yeah. It was expensive, but it was, like, bougie. Loved, like, I, it felt like the vacation we kind of needed. Like, it was like, mm-hmm. I'm ready to splurge a bit. Relax. Uh, wouldn't recommend going in minus 40 because going between the pools was kind of hellish. Yeah, I can't wait. I want to go back this spring. Yeah. So I've been saying, like, get ready, girls. We're going back for another trip mm-hmm, in this mm-hmm. spring. Each season. Yeah. I'm great. I'm excited. <laughs> Start saving. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my real highlight from the three weeks off. Nice. I um, I can't stop talking about this app called One Second Every Day. Amy would know, and probably every listener, because I have not stopped talking about it. You take a one-second video, and it, you compile it, and then at the end of the year, it's like a whole little montage of, of your, your life. life and I love it I'm already loving it it is actually really cool Alex got me hooked as well but mm-hmm. I'm a little bit worried my Monday to Friday isn't as exciting but like it doesn't need to be exciting That's like true. I think what I do is like what is a part of my day that I want to remember and honestly it's helping me be like reflective on my day because I'm not usually like that anymore now that I don't have my my five-year journal oh, okay. I finished that it just it's never like, again five year journal. Um, not never again. It was a great um, a, like thought experiment or like cool memoir. But I wanted something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Memoir memory. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a different way to document instead of just writing it down. Here's a, here's a new way. Sweet. I'm yeah. actually really excited to see the end product. Mm-hmm. And I got to add to mine because I'm a little behind. So thank you for the reminder all the time. Yeah, I talk about it too much, and well, that's. What's, What's up? up? This week, uh, we have a guest, Chanel. Um, friends, I met her through Amy, and it will come up, but I think um, you become friends once you're stranded on the side of a uh, mountain, and uh, Chanel's there to basically save you, because <laughs> I was, like, crying. Amy's, like, pep-talking me, and Chanel's like, I'm going to find a way out of this. Um, and then we became really good friends after that. Yeah. So I feel like that's, like, a story for another day, but we definitely... Almost got lost on a hiking trail. We got lost. Okay, we were lost. We got very <laughs> lost. We almost died. Oh. Um, that's not what we're talking about this episode. We're talking about ADHD, um, specifically with women. That was like a lot of our conversation. And uh, so listen in. Chanel was a great 
guest. All right. Today, we are so excited to welcome Chanel Clark, a local legend, <laughs> a, a volleyball champ, a major soccer athlete, an amazing hiker that we love to hike with. <laughs> Saved our lives once. <laughs> Saved our lives. There's so many great things to say about you. You work as a local, well, local Central Alberta area as a peace officer, mm-hmm. but we're excited to have you on to talk today about living with ADHD. Mm-hmm fun times associated yeah so welcome welcome to the podcast thank today welcome everybody thank you for joining me no. <laughs> we usually start off everything with what is the most small town thing about you we'll jump to alex first oh me first yeah, yeah. let's go okay it. well this was like very uh of the times right now i feel because just like yet another failed situation ship <laughs> because of where i live <laughs> um, it's the truth it's like, like you oh. don't get to have a dating life you can't do anything casually. No. Everything has to be so planned out. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody wants to move to Settler. Yeah. Like, this is not people's dream home. <laughs> Everyone, Settler's amazing. <laughs> it's not as bad as when I grew up, so that helps. <laughs> Amy? Wait, say yours again, though. Say, say You want me to say it again? Yeah, you say Nobody wants to date me, Amy, because <laughs> where I live. <laughs> Thanks for making me. Rub it in. Say it again until you cry. <laughs> Okay, I'm done. <laughs> I need a moment. Yeah. Amy, what yeah. about you? Um, same. My, yeah. yeah. Same, same, same. Yeah. I'll just uh, piggyback on yours. No, um, the most small time thing about me is annually, I love to do a farm day. Like, yeah. take it upon myself to go to a farm and, like, get them to schedule me in for work. People don't actually believe I do this, too. Mm-hmm. Um, my coworker, I go out to her farm. It's so fun. My favorite time was when we got to, like, Push the calves into the chute and then they got branded. Yeah. So like that was really cool. And it was so, it's such a good experience because I learn more about farming every time I go, whether it's mm-hmm. crop or with livestock. I, I learned so much and I ask a million questions. You? Me. Shocking. Weird. <laughs> I can't see that. So Chanel? <sighs> so mine, other than growing up here and always like being on a ranch basically my entire life, I think I could ride a horse before I could walk. Um... <laughs> I know how to play the banjo. You know how to play the banjo. <laughs> I can say that so quietly. Yes. <laughs> I feel like that's not even small town. That's like hillbillies in the backwater. <laughs> like it's a whole. No other. way. Like, that's do you super have a family folky. band? Yeah. Oh, absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh! I want you to totally bust that out. Yeah. That's awesome. Enjoy this transition it's... as Chanel banjos us into the next. Yeah. <laughs> I wish you yeah. should have brought it. That would be so cool. I forgot that we did this. <laughs> That is amazing. Oh, I'll, I'll brush up so I can play you. Yes, yes please. please Next do. time you come back on, we expect a banjo song. <laughs> yes. So, I'm excited to dive in and talk a little more about ADHD. So, can, what can you tell us about your experience? Oh, so I always kind of thought that I had it, but I was such a busy kid, like playing sports and doing all the things that my mom put me in just because she was a single mom who needed me to be entertained. But I always kind of knew that, like, I had way more energy than a lot of kids. Like, I wasn't, I couldn't focus in class. And that's kind of how it's been my whole life, too. It was really mitigated with sports and, like, playing the piano and doing a whole bunch of things like that. Like, because my brain was getting all the dopamine and serotonin that it needed. But now that I haven't had that, 
again, I've, I've gone like my entire life basically not being medicated for it until this last year when the gyms were closing and there mm-hmm. wasn't as like all the sports are shut down. So you're not playing. So I couldn't get my normal outlets. Like I've basically had it my whole life, but within the past two years, I was officially diagnosed with it. Uh-huh. I know the doctor even thinks, cause there's, <laughs> there's quite a bit of autism in my family too, that he thinks that potentially look into that because ADHD in women actually gets confused with autism quite a bit too because mm. a lot of the symptoms are very similar so did you as a child know the difference for yourself because you were saying like it was grade two where you kind of noticed that you were or no even grade one yeah so it was like right into your school years where you were like I was just a lot more rowdy mm-hmm. and like busier but was that like the language at the time or were you just kind of like oh, I'm being disruptive. Oh, I'm being... Like, was it, like, more that language or were you like, something's different? Oh, uh, well, and I thought it was just, like, I, in my own head, it was, like, I'm not the same as yes. these kids, right? But, I mean, especially with the teachers or anybody that was really, like, coaching me or was an adult around me, that's kind of what they said. They just always said that I was, like, super busy and I couldn't keep me entertained for too long or I would hyperfixate on certain things where I, they, like, could not peel me away from it. Mm-hmm. But that was kind of the language. I mean, we still, unfortunately, have that stigma around it or those certain words, too, that just feed into that, that it's, like, it's very negative-based. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, it wasn't like, oh, you know, I need more things to entertain her or do that. It's just, like, she's being really disruptive and she's bored. Can't sit still. Yeah. She's busy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Speak on education yeah. side of it now, like... I don't know if this is true for your experience as an educator, but like I find my ADHD students or the ones that are diagnosed, Mm -hmm. um, especially in terms of athleticism, Mm -hmm. because they can hyper focus on a skill or set like Mm -hmm. so intensely, they their performance sometimes is far more exceeding than, Mm -hmm. you know, my typical students um we're used to the chaos i know this kind of helped me too is like we're used to so much chaos going in in our brain so when there's chaos like outside of us for us to focus on we're like okay this is nice and for you know the non-neurodivergent kids like they're not used to that type of chaos Mm -hmm. right so it's overwhelming whereas for us it's like calming because now we're outside of our own brain and it's like easy for us to like pick a whole bunch of things and kind of sort it out i'm wondering and this is only like from me talking to other people I know with ADHD. Like, how is it linked with depression and anxiety? So, ADHD, like, ADD used to be what things were called, and that's not, it's kind of an outdated um, term. So, ADHD has, like, three different types. Like, you can be super hyperactive, you can be, um, what is it, inattentive, and then there can be a combination of it. Okay. So, when you're, you're inattentive, there's... Like, again, you're, like, spacey, you're not really paying attention to certain things, like, you know, you can, you're very forgetful, or all these little things that, and especially women, too, like, most women have, like, inattentive ADD, and as the societal role of us being, like, caretakers, and we have to be on point all the time, I think that kind of perpetuates the, like, the negative, like, the depression and the anxiety, too, because then you're, like, you're so aware that you're not, like, a fulfilling. Yeah, exactly. Or, like, a normal human being that you slip into that depression and then you get anxious because you know you're different and you know, like, certain times at social gatherings, like, you get severe anxiety just going into it because it's overwhelming Mm. with sensory information. Some people don't know the coping strategies in order to what to do because they've been misdiagnosed or they don't understand how to deal with it, so they slip into anxiety and depression with that. Mm -hmm. And, like, again, with women so much, too, it gets misdiagnosed as just, like, the normal female experience that 
you do, the more it goes undiagnosed or untreated, you do slip into those depressions and anxiety. And even some people get really bad OCD from it Mm -hmm. because they can't, they can't control what's going on inside in their head. So they're starting to do it here. And then it starts to, it Mm -hmm. just starts to spiral down. Even talking to my myself when I say things too like if I forget the burners on and I haven't put something in it like you completely forget about that instead of being like oh what an idiot like what are you doing just like it's just one of those ADHD things again like I totally forgot about like changing your inner narrative makes a huge difference because I went through a couple bouts of like really bad depression and anxiety too because I didn't know what to do with myself like I had I had no concept of what was going on I knew I was different and people were yeah, they're being really negative about it. Like say, you know, like you're not consistent or you're lazy or you're not paying attention or you're rude or certain things like that. And I was like, well, maybe I am those things, right? So you mm-hmm. do, you create this narrative around yourself and it's negative. And then, it's kind of yeah. neat. Like I never really made that connection to the like anxiousness yeah. and like the obsessiveness and then the inner dialogue that goes on through that. So what is that like? Because you said for females, it often is just allotted with, oh, well, it's a hormonal shift in yeah. your body, so we'll let that happen and sort itself out. Well, in the inattent, so males usually show up as, you know, the typical person you think would have ADHD. They're bouncing off the walls, like you cannot contain them, like it's just too, they have like a goldfish attention span. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, some females definitely do have that, but again, in women, it shows more like they're kind of spacey like they come off as kind of lazy because they just like cannot focus on their work or they can't finish their work right you're like it would take you 10 minutes now it's taking you an hour because you're just not paying attention to it right so they they kind of come off as like those dreamers that are just having la la land in class or yes they're just doing a thing i'm in a totally different zone and i used to draw all over my books like if you've seen all my books from like middle school or high school like I was constantly drawing and I'm not paying attention to the teacher. So that comes off as really rude or like I'm not paying attention. The standard that you're being held to is neurotypical. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So then it's, it's like very neurotypical. Yeah. you and your brain into something that is like not how you function. Yeah. Right? So then you're always having to like... We constantly yes. have to fit in. And that's why like it's really easy for like neurodivergent people to put themselves in the neurotypical shoes mm-hmm. because we have to. Yes. So for the neurotypicals to do the reverse, it's like impossible for them to understand, right? So like and that like kind of leads into like the masking thing too. Like yes. I think that's why from a young age too I'm like so observant of people and like what they're doing because I'm like I don't want to like not fit in like or seem like I'm different because I I have to survive. It's like your basic human instinct, right? Yes. Like don't be different or else you'll be picked off from, from like a wild animal, right? So it is it's it's tough that way. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. Can we... Because I, I don't know that masking is in everyone's, oh, like, right. vernacular. Can right. you ex- describe Right. Masking? So, yeah, you're masking. You're basically... They call it that because it's like putting on a mask, right? It's like not being yourself. You're trying to... Not a pandemic mask. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> not to make a not an N95. Yeah, just... <laughs> N95. You basically put it on for that. So you try and, you try and come off like you're a neurotypical person, right? Like you you mimic their behaviors, you mimic yes. what they're trying to do. And I think that's why so many like neurodivergent people can get exhausted too because they're trying to put on this like front of being this almost like a fake person yeah. just to fit in and to not stand out in any way, right? Actually, when Nick was talking about yes. like the queer experience, that's, that's how yes. you're that's always totally trying, it, yeah. like you are assessing, like yes. am I safe here? Can I be myself yeah. here? 
it's like a survival thing. Yeah. Basically, it's And just... almost like goes without thinking. Yeah. Right? You're you just like, immediately just... switch in. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's interesting to me even like when I think of like being diagnosed with depression. Mm-hmm. It took a very long time for me to see me reflected. Yes. You know? And that was when I started to understand is when like I saw my experience with other people. Yeah. But I feel like things like this are being talked about a lot more. Yeah. So then you can see it and you're like, oh, that is like me. Yes. And like, it's tough to explain. Like, when you have depression, like, I get it. You cannot, you physically cannot, like, get yourself out of bed some days. Like, you just, there's no explaining it. You're just like, I just can't. So to try and explain that to somebody that doesn't have it, you're probably just, probably like, just get up. You're like, yeah. I cannot. Like, I don't know how to explain <laughs> yeah. this to you. Like, you can't. you just like, I wish my executive functioning was different. Because then, yes. And I kind of treat, I kind of treat my... My ADHD or, like, certain things about me as, like, a different person mm-hmm. sometimes. Like, I'll, I'll give them, like, certain names and be like, listen. Are you going to share those time. names with us? Sometimes they change. Okay. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes they're not very nice. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> that, that has to do with the negative self-talk. Exactly. <laughs> no like, negative self-talk. And it, it's helped, too, to, like, treat them as different entities, too, mm. because then they, like, don't take up that much space in your head. Or you can just kind of push them off or, like, mm. focus on your own thing. That's one thing, too, that's kind of helped me. You're just like... No, not today. Yeah. <laughs> or like in 20 minutes, then I'll talk to you. Like certain things like that. Yeah. And then what are things like that your friends and family could do around you that would make things like easier for you? Not overload my sensory information. <laughs> so what, so like, what like, does that mean? So for me, this is one thing too that's like, it's really hard when you have attention deficit disorders. Like it's hard to explain but when I'm studying, sometimes the air in the room can be too loud. Like, it's just, then you fixate on that and you're like, I literally can't focus on anything else other than this, like, air in the room. Like, I, it's very hard to explain it. Again, it makes you sound a little... No, I have to admit that the furnace is going and I can 100% hear it in this room. <laughs> no, and I've been thinking about it. I'm like, oh. It's sometimes it's perfect, though, because, like, white noise for us, like, really helps. So, if you come in, like, my mom always used to get on my ass because I would have noise on or music on while I'm trying to study then she's like you're not even studying like how can you focus with that but if I have it off then all I can hear is the silence and it's like deafening so like when I'm doing something and studying my parents or people that I live with are constantly interrupting me and it's just like you can't do that like you can't it'll be the tiniest thing and then I'm thrown off for like an hour that's basically it and when people don't want to talk like sometimes they think I'm I'm like rude because I just leave, but just give that person the space to do so. Or if they say you're being overwhelming, don't take it personally. Again, sometimes the air is too loud. Like how do you tell the air to leave the room? Like you can't. So it's just like, (laughs) just don't take certain things like that personally. Because I think a lot of people in my life have just because they care. But I was like, I'm not trying to be rude. I just like, I don't know how else to say it. Right. Mm -hmm. Just don't take it personally. Yeah. 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 That's basically it. That, that is good. And I think mm. I think that's, like, a good question, Alex, to ask anyone, too. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, how, Boundaries. Can, how, yeah, <laughs> how can I help you, yeah. like, process with this, yeah. right? And, like, yeah. as a partner, as a friend, yeah. as a human being yeah, around someone. Yeah. Um, that was the other thing I was thinking. So some people that I've noticed that, like, are, you know, seeking treatment for their children yeah. often find out during that time frame that they have, that they have ADHD. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely hereditary and, like, not only is it hereditary for me, but I've also had like five major concussions and like a multitude of small ones. But most things don't throw me off. But if I'm like carrying a bunch of groceries in and I drop my keys, I go into a fit of rage that is not normal. 
Like, yeah, like it's not normal at all. It lasts for like a couple seconds, but it's like no person should be that mad about that. But if something big happens, I'm like, yeah, whatever, whatever, right? It's those little things where you're like irritability or like all over the place and it's kind of like misguided almost. It's not like towards anybody, but again, it's just little things like that that I just like come unglued over. Like it is. And understanding like auditory and visual cues has been a little off for me too, which I don't find it happens in my job at all. It's just like in my personal life when my brain is kind of shut off, but that I've noticed is like different too. And it's upped my anxiety quite a bit. Oh yeah. And, and that's post concussion. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and then you didn't have ADHD and then you had those concussions. Would you still be having those like concussion symptoms or is it like excess? because it's like it's exacerbated okay so a lot of people too they cannot have any type of neurodivergent qualities they get head concussion or like a concussion and they're totally different people like that can happen too because usually you're like born with it or when you're very young your brain develops into that Mm -hmm. which one mine's hereditary two my brain was going to develop into that just how i was how i grew up and then like with all my head injuries like so I tell my mom, like, Perfect storm. Exactly. <laughs> but I, told, I was going through, like, oh, like when I was in my psychology classes, too, it was, it was so funny. Because I'm sitting there, like, well, I could have been a murderer. And I'm not. Like, I text my mom, like, you know, all things considered, like, it's not the worst thing that could happen, right? Yeah. It makes me think about is, like, me having grace for other people yeah. and, like, not jumping to, like, judgment and thinking, yeah. like, okay, mm-hmm. there could be a reason for this and, like, let's yeah. give them the space or whatever yeah. that they need. We're like, such a good question. Like, <laughs> how can I support you? Like, it's so true to not you can understand. Do that, like, in like a close relationship, but you yeah. don't know, like, in the grocery store, if you're yeah. like, how can how I can support I you? you? And they're like, like, where is the zucchini? Yeah. Like, I don't work here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's tough too because for a lot of times, like, I've had friends even like ask like how they help me, and I didn't know at that point. I was like, I honestly don't know. Like, I don't know enough about what I need help with or where I need to go from this. Yes. Like, just give me the space to sort that out, and I'll let you know. Just know, like, again, if people are you know, avoiding interactions or doing that, it's not necessarily personal, right? It's just mm-hmm. like, I just don't have the capacity for it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Which is how I have either lost a lot of friends or, again, around the back to the dating thing. Like, it makes it really tough, right? Yeah. Especially, like, shift work and, like, dating is tough with it, too. Yeah. It's not even that. Like, even just trying to managing manage yourself, right? Like, yeah, when you're tough. talking about, like, if my partner was, like, walking up the steps and they drop their key and they're, like, freaking out, yeah. you know? Like, even for me, I'm, like what have I done you know like also like why are you being like this yeah you're not making the deal like I talk to myself you're like why are you like this like just just take a breath it's not that big of a deal right like it's it is it's tough like it's I said it Chanel already but what is it that you would like other people to know about ADHD I don't know that's kind of tough like no pressure no (laughs) narrow it down to one sentence (laughs) be good Uh, good luck Um, it just again like don't take things personally or like what they're doing even you know one thing that we didn't really touch on too is like you know people can overspend or they can they can seem lazy or disengaged or all those kind of things it's not necessarily uh, it's not personal it's just not them being a terrible person it's just sometimes they just don't have the capacity to understand what's happening and just again if that person's being obviously very bad to you don't put up with it but mm-hmm. that person does need help like mm-hmm. and just to to come at it a little differently like with some understanding or some compassion because again we know that we're different already we know that a lot of time we're 
you know, quote unquote inconvenience to some people. So it's like, we really, really try. And then when it's met with resistance like that, we're like less likely to for sure be great about it next time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there is greatness in a lot of there ADHD are the, people. Yeah. Like honestly, there are a lot of times people leading we corporations. We almost died on a mountain. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Guess like, who saved us? You were so Sean calm. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like, it was, and it's, I know we talk like so much about maybe the negative side of it or like what the darker side of it is, but there are, there's so many positive Huge. aspects about being that. Again, mm-hmm. being calm in chaos. And you have that yeah. explosiveness. Like that's yeah. what I, the word I was looking for when we were saying oh, okay. for athletes. Like yeah. it's those high pressure situations like can, can make you really good. It's like even say like a doctor in the ER, like your ability to like change focus on things too is really good because you're, you got like, you got 30 seconds of interest in something, right? So your mm-hmm. ability to go to all these things, is like a really positive thing or can be if yeah. used appropriately. So yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Chanel, for joining us. It was a pleasure to have you on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad there's like barely any spacey moments. Really. It was so good to talk with Chanel and and kind of like hear more of her insights living with ADHD and her battle and, and strategies that you, she uses for herself. Um, one of the things that really stood out to me for a takeaway was how she uses physical activity movement as a form of kind of an outlet to help Mm -hmm. herself. Like I know during even COVID for situations where they were locked down um, and we were limited to certain things, she would talk about, you know, going, you know, even at different points in the day and how that strategy really helped her to balance like as a form or outlet for her life. And I thought that was really healthy, like a a physical outlet and ensuring that that was occurring for herself. Mm-hmm. She seems like she like knows herself very well. What I find interesting is like growing up, ADHD was definitely like something I was aware of in the sense that like growing up, I don't feel like all of the language that we have now was when we were growing up. Like depression seemed even unreachable. People didn't talk about anxiety and like those are like big things now. Like I feel like a lot of mental illness was like very taboo growing up but ADHD was something that like you knew about do you know do you know what I mean like you're like oh you knew that he had ADHD or in your classroom or and even in education like it was like very prevalent and talked about more than other other like neurodivergencies and stuff mm-hmm. so I feel like growing up I had a different idea of what ADHD was than I have an understanding now and it's really interesting, I think, as an educator to, like, relearn or unlearn what I thought ADHD was and see it now, first of all, in, like, so many people that I know. Um, so it feels, like, a lot closer to home. I don't know. It's just really, it's just really interesting to see, like, adults with ADHD because in my head growing up, it was just like, oh, that's, like, that crazy boy in your class. Like, that was literally what ADHD was, <laughs> right? And you're like, oh, my gosh, it is so much more than that even when she talked about like your train of thought and how like you want to do those things and you're really geared to do them and it should only take like a short amount of time and how there's like kind of a fuzziness or block that's occurring it kind of created more forgiveness I guess when when she was describing it like I had more empathy for people who maybe struggle through that hearing from her directly yeah and 
And I like that you mentioned that you have to kind of unlearn the things that you've kind of connotated to this idea of ADHD, because I think that's happening a lot with, you know, racial things. And and isn't that what growth is about? Is that Mm -hmm. we revisit these things and we unlearn some of these aspects that maybe we were infused or taught or thought, and then we actually kind of reprogram ourselves again. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Lifelong learners. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, It's interesting to hear like kids you like often say like battle with or struggle with and I don't know that I frame it in that way and then I'm like is that I'm like is that offensive because like I don't like to say I battle with depression because I and it's not like I don't have hard times it is something that I have and I am and it's a part of me so to feel like I am at odds with it or I'm fighting with it for me feels like weak like, mm-hmm. in the sense that, like, you're fighting with depression or you're, you know what I mean? Instead of being, like, like, I don't feel like I struggle with depression. I work on making sure my mental health is good and I'm okay and I have strategies and I go to therapy and I have medication to make sure that I can live with depression. But, I don't know, the words, like, battle and struggle, not my fave, mm-hmm. personally. And I'm, like, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's, like, something to also think about or revisit or if I... Well, we know that I'm sensitive and a touchy person, so... Um, I think it's interesting, too, like, the semantics of it, too. Because to me, it know, sounds like a You fight, know what love semantics? I don't, like, have necessarily, like, negative thought process and things like that. Like, it's not... I don't feel like I'm at odds with myself. I was just in, like, a bit of a low. Um, this December was hard on me, but, like, I didn't feel like I was, like, battling... Like, every day, like, and, and, it, and it doesn't feel heroic either. It's just, like, fucking life. Like, I get up and I go and I, I feel heavy and down. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm battling it. I'm not, like, a knight in armor. I'm not crushing it. It's just, it's just life. It's just my everyday life. So it doesn't, it's not, like, this, like, epic battle or this, like, terrible battle. It's just, like, it is what I am. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And so bringing that back to ADHD too, like you would say the same thing for people who are diagnosed with that too. Like that's a part of them. They're yeah, it's like it's their life. your life and your life story. And to say like you're struggling with it, I feel like makes it feel negative. And you're like, and, and no, it's not like rainbows and ponies, but like, I don't know. I don't know that that word feels like very nice. That's good to know. But that's how I personally feel. And I'm like, this is something I want to look at. Like, do other people feel this way? Um, Put a poll out there. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have depression? And are you battling it? (laughs) What words do you, verbiage do you use when you describe your depression? I am very particular, though, about the words. That's what I'm saying. I'm I'm curious, too, because I'm like, I haven't thought that much into it. So it is interesting. But I would say the same thing. Like, hearing Chanel's story was you know, it not, maybe not necessarily a battle, but her, how is she coping? How is she living? How is she managing? Yeah, all of those that. words yeah. sound great to me. Yeah, yeah, how is she managing with her ADHD? How are you coping? How are you doing? Yeah, and so, like, she was really good at being able to provide some insight about, you know, what that looked like for her life. And, yeah. and even, too, her journey isn't over, right? Like, her management and everything, like she was saying, too, about medication, like, not her fave and yeah. hasn't fared well with her schedule in her life. And so she's still in that journey. But you're in journey. that for life. Though. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like, 
just just as your ethnicity is you for life. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like it is inherent to you. So it's yeah. not like I don't feel like I'm in my journey with depression and I will get on the other side of it. It is this is this is my life. I will not have enough dopamine in my head if I don't take meds. Yeah. And there will be times where maybe I need to adjust that or go on different medication and that is that is my entire life story. Yeah. And that whole like ownership of it too is like really helpful in the healing process. Like even hearing Ch- uh, Chanel talk about kind of like this is a part of me and now I have to like own it and these are identifiers for myself. So she and I think she did. She really like owned yes. into the this is a characteristic of me. Yeah. And like even talking about, you know, welcoming a partner, like these are the things my partner needs to be aware of yes. kind of thing. And yeah. so that that was really cool. Yeah. And so. having like that self-awareness. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. Mm-hmm. Clearly state to someone why and what's going on. Yeah. So. No, we thank Chanel for, for honestly, her, her vulnerability and being very open with us. Jar of questions. Love this question. How do you make yourself sleep when you can't get to sleep? That is really, really good. Um, I, I just want to say that coming back off of holidays and going to work, you always kind of get those like anxious sleeps where you're kind of like wide awake and you're like, I know I need to sleep because I've got to get up at like 6.30 or whatever time and you're kind of nervous that you're going to sleep in and stuff. <sighs> what do I do? I know well, exactly what I do. You do? You're like, Are you it. thinking? No, I, oh, I know. It sounded too. like you were I was like, like lining it up to <laughs> just I, saying words. I I think I've learned from the best and it's from you. I'm a great Is sleeper. having a wind down period. Mm-hmm. That is essential. You will not go to sleep the moment you just like just close your laptop, turn in your pillow and fall asleep. You're setting yourself up for failure if you do that. You need that hour to chill and relax and wind down. If I want to go to sleep and I want to guarantee my sleep, I need to be having a bath. I need to lotion my body. I need to relax that body and mind. Sometimes I'll do yoga. 100% when I put in my earplugs, and I still put in my earplugs as a single sleeper, drop like that. And I I do like to read before bed. Mm -hmm. That's part of the wind down time too. Mm -hmm. Not Mm -hmm. always, but sometimes read... But I do have to admit, do not be on technology. Mm-hmm. Too much of a stimulant for my brain and my eyeballs. Yeah. So that's my wind down. And I usually, I'm a pretty good sleeper. You stole my answer. Did I? Of. Well, I, I always need my wind down time. Even Amy is always mindful of that. We're like recording and she's like, I know you need your wind down time. <laughs> <laughs> and I, same, like I don't do social media and stuff in bed. I do text, like if I get messages. Um, so I, I am human. No. <laughs> but I do like my wind down time. And then those like anxious thoughts, if I have them, which I don't often now that I'm on meds, um, for depression, which somehow erases my anxiety um I like distract my brain so if I'm like worrying about a conversation or worrying I'm usually like worrying honestly about like relationships with friends and stuff right um if I'm mulling over situations I always distract my brain with games you know what kind of games well you know I love geography can you name all 50 states oh okay. but like, like your own made-up games I thought you were gonna be like candy crush I was oh. like cool <laughs> no, no but I like um same can you like mentally walk through like your grandma's house like go in uh, up the stairs so you're like focusing your brain on things that aren't like your negative thought process okay um can you name everyone from your graduating class anything that has like because 
if it's just like name all the animals there's no like end to that whereas like there's 50 states so when i get to 50 i know you oh my know? gosh, it sounds so fun in your head. <laughs> All the games. Every night before bed, we just play a quick game, you fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Name all 50 states. <laughs> um, that's fun. I like that. But Alex, having lived with you um, last year, that was one thing that I really took away. Like I always say that you live that good life. I learned from the best was that you need to have that hour time. Because historically for me, I would work up into a certain mm-hmm. point. And so for me, like 10 o'clock for sure, like everything has to be put away 10 to 11. I'm chilling. And then by 11, I'm like, good night, baby. I'm just like, honestly, <laughs> like how do people not think we're together when you're like, I learned how to sleep from you. What is <laughs> sleeping with you? <laughs> like, okay, Amy. <laughs> I do have to admit too, like we spend enough time together that we know each other well. I wore yes. printed socks yesterday. The only person that commented on this was Alex. He never so. wears printed socks. They alarm us. I was like, who are you? I know. I was like, no one actually cares about this. The only person who mentions it. Anyways. So what do you do when you can't fall asleep and you need to fall asleep? 